Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy National Paper Airplane Day, Joe. And when I say national, I mean the nation of the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. This one is for you and your paper airplanes. I actually, as cliche as it is, threw a paper airplane at a teacher once in high school, and he looked up as soon as I was about to release it. It's <laughs> maybe top five most embarrassing moments of my life to be like caught throwing a paper airplane like just the hackiest most cliched fucking thing a kid can do. Oh, well, I'm sorry to bring back those memories, but I kind of felt, having celebrated the midwives and the nurses, we also had to give a <laughs> shout out to the paper airplanes. To the assholes. Uh, coming up on today's show, I went to the poker wedding of the century of the year. I traveled. <laughs> I went to a place. I did a thing. I wore a mask. More on that later. Uh, James and Finton did Poker Stars Retro, and I bet it was a good one. You would be correct. Uh, speaking of streamers, how have we never had Tonka on the show? Uh, I can think of a reason why. And guess what? That reason doesn't matter anymore because he's a team pro now. And yes. it's high time we did Tonka on the show today. And I think it might be worth covering a little bit of poker news today. Um, and I think it's because of all the former and current poker news people who are at the wedding. Poker news has just been in in my in my in my brain hole so we're gonna do a tiny that's, little bit of poker news today that's too. classic joe stapleton i know those people i know those people from poker news let's talk about poker news correct let's talk about the poker news people at the wedding yeah. it was a reunion of sorts james i think look when you go to a wedding you uh there's some anxiety, right? There's some social anxiety being around people. I, I always have a hard time reuniting with people that I haven't seen in a while. Um, um, I, 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 I personally don't experience that, but I guess I possibly would now with everything yeah. that's happened in the last year. The idea of, of traveling and mixing again is a bit of a strange concept, almost an alien concept. Yes. So I, I struggle with those moments in general, combined with this huge catharsis of people being together again was was difficult for me. I'm not going to lie. I, I felt very strange um, just sort of reentering social situations with people outside of my inner inner circle yeah. um, just to go over the, the uh, you know, some, uh, Gary Gates. Uh, got married, who is a fellow who worked at Poker Stars uh, for a very long time, has deep connections. I was a main main event final tablist. People would know him. Uh, not to not mention his his new wife Marissa. All but Gary's the guy that we you know we really know uh, from the poker world. I mean. Gary has been a guest on this podcast. Obviously, at that time, he was still working at Stars. We spoke to him about his, his third place finish, right, in the World Series of Poker main event. It was Darius Samartino was second. Hussein Ensam was the winner. And I believe Gary uh, finished third and won more than a million dollars. Yeah, won, won several million dollars, if I remember correctly. So, um, so yeah, so and we, other people that we know and love that have been mentioned and or appeared on the podcast. Ronnie Barda was there. Is this real life? That's right. Who's, you know, people, I was explaining to people at the wedding who weren't poker people that Ronnie is perhaps maybe the most viral poker video of all time. Yeah. Uh, has Ronnie attached to it. Uh, Chad Allen Holloway was there. Uh, you know, a, a bracelet winner of Poker News, former poker news person. Donnie Peters, Christy Arnett uh, Moreno, the Moreno brothers themselves, 
Very nice to see those people again. And I have to give a special shout out to uh, Johnny Vibe's wife, Olga, who uh, who saw that I was experiencing some anxiety over this and was like, don't worry. I got you. You're. We're going to make sure you're involved in everything this weekend. It was a really, really nice time. I imagine, um, Joe, I, I, I understand and sympathize with the anxiety, but I imagine it was also exciting and it must have been a thrill to actually be amongst people again, be in a social situation again and see people that we normally encounter on the poker circuit and haven't because there hasn't been a poker circuit since the end of 2019. It, it was, however, and... I- the being able to be there for Gary and Marissa, who I who I care very deeply for, and I was very happy to be there for the wedding. Other than that, it wasn't worth it. Okay, it what like it wasn't worth it. Like the amount of stress and anxiety, and I'm not even complaining about people's behavior because I think that everyone's behavior um, that I encountered while we were traveling was somewhat understandable. But it was like Christmas time. Rush like the floodgates are just opened, like just crazy amounts of people traveling. Uh, not that I think these things should be required, right? But we just spent the whole last year like strict social distancing, mass, and all that. The masks are still on, but like social distancing completely gone. Like there's uh, everyone's crammed into airports, crammed in line, crammed at TSA, crammed at customs. Um, and so just that. Without commenting on whether I think that that's correct or not, just that immersion back into sardine people, I found to be incredibly stressful, and not just from like a like a like COVID perspective, just from like a like to just a social anxiety sort of perspective. So there's also lots of rules and forms and regulations. Like everywhere you go or come from has like a different thing, and no one was really very clear. Um, and I don't, you know, look the the, the the reputation of Mexico is that it's kind of a free for all at times for things. And like landing at the airport there, like no one knew where to go. People were like climbing over each other to get the forms they needed. It was like a very stressful to and from to get to this wedding. So I think I'm good on traveling. Okay. For a while. It's like I've had the experience, Um, been reminded of it. And now I can just go back to staying at home. Exactly. And I'm very lucky that my home situation is good, right? So for other people, maybe been crabbed up in an apartment and stuff, I don't want to seem ungrateful. I did get to go spend some time in the sun uh, at a very beautiful resort. And like I said, being there for Gary and Marissa was incredibly important. I'm glad I did it. However, like I'm, I don't think I'll be traveling again for fun, especially out of the right. country for a long time. Um, one funny thing that happened was there was like a big group chat and um, I decided, I, you know, now that I'm old, I didn't like go out partying, anything like that. I was in bed by like 1030 at night, the night before the wedding. And I just had me flipping through the channels. And you know, it's great. You guys see you're not you're 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 spoiled over in Europe is that you can just like flip through the channels on regular TV. There's like softcore porn. <laughs> and I was like really excited that there was just like these like stories over and over again of just like two women in bed, like touching, just fondling each other. Like just like, I don't know, almost innocent. Oh, Joe gets in touch again with his 13 year old inner self. Yeah. And so I thought that everyone else would want to know this too. So I just went on the wedding group chat. I was like, Hey, sorry to bother everybody, but I just want to let everyone know there's softcore on channel 40. <laughs> and then people started tuning into it and taking screenshots and sending it through the group chat. And then all of a sudden the bride just says, text comes through and says, Sorry, Aunt Shelley. 
Poor Aunt Shelley. That's right. And I just I just replied with, you're welcome, Aunt Shelley. And it turns out that Aunt Shelley, despite being quite conservative, was was like happy to have been, have been informed about the softcore. Whether it was to have the channel blocked or not, I don't know. But she didn't seem particularly upset about it. Overall, super happy for the time I was there. Coming back, I like locked the door to my house. And me and my girlfriend were like, we're never going anywhere ever again. Um... I did read a book, though, James. Not a, I didn't listen to a book. I read a book on the plane. I mean, okay. Well done, Joe. You <laughs> read a book. I've never had an issue reading, and I honestly, and I don't want to sound unempathetic, but I don't get this whole kind of reading being a challenge or having to overcome some hurdle to open a book. You know, it's just that reading is 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 the only thing you can do when you're reading, right? Um, when yeah, that's what's great about it. But I, not being funny, you know me. I have that same attitude about watching movies. I don't pick up my phone. I don't start conversing yeah. in the middle of a movie. It's like one activity at a time. My brain can focus on just one thing. Yeah, and I, look, I can do it for a movie, but a movie is relatively short. You know, a movie is like, let's say on average, two hours. And for me to read a book is like probably five or six hours of yeah, but not no doing anything expects else. expects you to read a book in one session. You don't read a book from cover to cover well, necessarily. Well, I read this book called Vig, written by a guy named David Lyons, who used to work at Poker Stars. And uh, I really, really love this book. It's about like this... It's like an old timey Vegas thing, right? It's like a like a like a, almost like a noir about this sports better sharp, right? It's about like a card sharp, and I was expecting something. I'm sorry if this is insulting, but I was expecting something kind of cheesy, uh, something that was like kind of simple. It wasn't. It was really cool. Uh, a really interesting story. I think poker people would like it a lot. Uh, and I just wanted to give a quick public shout out to David for writing an awesome book. Where I, people who work behind the scenes at stuff take a crack at creative stuff and they nail it like this. I'm just so I'm happy for that. So glad you reminded me. I was aware that David had written this book. I remember when it was initially published, and since then I had forgotten. But now that you've reminded me, now that you've brought it up, now that you've given it such a positive review, I will seek out a copy and I will read it. Awesome, cool. Looking forward to hear what you think about that. Just a couple other things. I want to hear what you watched while I was gone. I, I've been watching Inside Amy Schumer because we're going to have uh, one of the writers from Inside Amy Schumer on in two weeks, I believe. Uh, Kim Caramelli is going to be on, but it's certainly not next week. That's all I could really keep in my hamster no, brain. No, we have got uh, a, another movie special next week, and we'll talk about that and set you your homework at the conclusion of this week's episode. Obviously, Joe, while you were away on vacation, I had to find a stand-in for PokerStars Retro. Finton Hand, easy with aces, stepped up to the plate. Finton joined me on the stream last week, and it was a fun one. It was the Season 2 LAPT Grand Final from Argentina, and what made the stream so special? Now, we had this before when we did EPT Retro, and you might remember that we did the PCA final table from 2010 with both Ryan D'Angelo and Harrison Gimbel, and both those players were in the chat watching the stream, kind of commenting along with us, right? Yeah. And we had the same thing this week. The story of this stream from start to finish was the complete dominance of one player. That player being an 18-year-old Dominic Nietzsche who had a Benny Spindler-style haircut, 
had that kind of arrogant swagger of a young player who knows he's better than 90% of the field and just was owning souls left, right and centre. And Dominic was there from start to finish. Had to have a slap on the wrist for a couple of spoilers. But generally, it was so awesome to have him be part of the stream, watching along with the audience and fleshing out some of the stuff that we were watching on screen, providing some background stories as well. And yeah, Dom went on to win the grand final, which brought season two of the LAPT to a conclusion. And here's that weird one, right? Because this podcast comes out around lunchtime on a Thursday. Yeah. I think by the time that 99.9% of people listen to this, we'll already have done this week's retro stream, which is going to be the first event from season three of the Latin American Poker Tour. Uh, so on the one hand, like I'm a little bit jealous that I missed what seems like a really fun Poker Stars retro with Dominic sort of giving side commentary in the chat. On the other hand, Dominic is not the easiest guy to please, like and has you know been critical. I, I don't know about me specifically, but just in general of of commentary and the way things. So I'm actually a, a little bit fine with having missed it also because I would have been crazy nervous with him in chat commenting on me commenting on him well he was on fine form I think he and Finton know each other quite well so it was quite a good dynamic there um it was a fun stream and look I know and again it's weird because I'm teasing something that everyone listening to this show will have already seen we've got another great array of players on this week's PokerStars Retro. I'm really enjoying all this stuff from Latin America in 2009-2010. Love the fact that I'm getting to see it for the first time. In a way, feeling a little bit guilty that I didn't actually seek out this content beforehand because they are some of the certainly most exciting and most emotional poker shows ever made. Um, Joe, you said at the start that we should touch on some poker news. I actually think there is only one story worth discussing in any detail, and you know a lot more about it than me, so I want you to tell me about KL and the Van, which sounds like a 70s funk band, but it's something much better than that. What's the deal? Yeah, so uh, given that we're we're like the USA Today of poker news, right? We tend to only cover the happy stories, right? We don't ha- we don't cover all of the, all of the muckraking. We're gonna focus nah. on the good stuff here. Uh, basically, this fella named Kale Cleeton, uh, part of the poker community, and uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Daniel did this thing where he was gonna Negrano was gonna sponsor someone in the main event. And he uh, sponsored KL, and KL's whole thing was, uh, hey, I, I, I really am trying to buy a van. Uh, he can't fly uh, due to a medical condition. I actually, I should know what it is at this point, but hey, I don't label people. No, I do. I just don't remember this. Um, and, you know, he can't fly. He's, you know, he's, he's, he has a hard time getting around. He's in a wheelchair. And his goal then was to win enough money to win to to buy a van. And the van's like $75,000. Like that's wow. how much it costs for like a, you know, this type of custom uh van f- for someone that can transport li- someone like Kale around. Didn't quite get there at the time and that was years ago. Um and so this kind this GoFundMe's like just kind of been flopping around a little bit on the internet, not really getting anywhere and tied into some other poker news is that uh, Veronica Brill, uh, who, as you know, is heavily involved in the Mike Postle case. We could call her the whistleblower, in fact, in the Postle case. It looks like 
things are going to go well for her and some other people in the countersuit and that Mike Postle decided that he was going to sue some people back. And it looks like those suits are not going to be successful. So Veronica, uh, it, given that it looks like dark times are over for her, was like, we're going to make this happen. Right. We're going to get KL's van. She got in touch with Bill Perkins, who said he was going to match donations up to something like twenty five dollars or $50,000 and she decided she was going to have a, a live stream over the weekend. I was actually flying on the day I was supposed to host it with her. I'm really bummed to have missed it, but happy to say that the goal was reached uh, not only because of Veronica and lots of other people who and Bill Perkins who decided to get involved, but Johnny Moreno, Johnny Vibes, who I mentioned earlier, who was at the wedding, decided that the day of this broadcast that he was going to donate $5 for every retweet uh, of the broadcast that went out there and the poker community did <laughs> what the poker community does best. And they were like, let's fuck Johnny vibes <laughs> super hard. And it became a mini viral sensation. Even Doug oh, Polk wow. who, who feuds with Johnny and, and basically half heartedly gave him credit and also half was like, let's fuck Johnny vibes. Let's get this out there. Uh, not only did Johnny make good on the, tweets but rounded up to ten thousand dollars awesome um, which is a lot of retweets and with the matching that's going to happen uh with bill perkins with the big chunk that veronica herself i think veronica herself uh dropped 5k on this particular cause it looks like kl is going to get his van finally and uh i it, you know my house better be one of the first places he drives it to because I'm, I'm frankly i'm sick of hearing about it also <laughs> I say that because KL wants me, I, you know, I did a little something for KL a couple weekends ago and he wants me to do nothing but wheelchair jokes during, during these broadcasts. You know, he wants me to, you know, to, to really, he likes dark humor and I'm like, dude, it's fine. Like between me and you, like we can do, I can't, someone can clip some shit I say oh, no. about you in a wheelchair and then that's the fucking lives with me for the rest of my life. And like, I think it's absolutely fine, especially if he's okay with it. But I, it's other people of I worry about. So, um, so if I can, um, if I could get some time off from Clayton to, sorry, from Clayton, Kale Clayton to, uh, to, 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 to not be forced into making wheelchair jokes for just a couple of months. Uh, I, I got contract negotiations coming up. All right. So take your van, take a long vacation, leave me alone for a little bit. Uh, well, talking of contracts, Parker Tolbert recently signed on as a member of Team PokerStars Pro. And as we said at the start of today's podcast, it is high time that we had Tonka on this show. Absolutely delighted to welcome Tonka to the Poker in the Ears podcast. Parker, it is lovely to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It's it's nice to finally have you here. We got snippets of little interviews with you because you were winning stuff when you weren't exactly with the Poker Stars brand, but now you are, and now we own you, and now you have to tell us everything. Now I have to be here, exactly. Now, yeah. I, have, now I don't have a choice, exactly. Yeah. Before it was, you know, do you want to come on for a little five-minute chat? Now it's like, hey, you better fucking be there this time. Absolutely. And That's give them right. the full so 30 minutes. <laughs> and while you probably have done this before, you haven't done it for us. Can you give us the Parker Talbot origin story, who you were before, who you are now, and how you got there? Nobody, nobody. It's been a mess. Um, 
Uh, no. Uh, okay, I'll give very quick little rundown of poker, streaming, whatever. Uh, dropped out of school when I was like 18 to play cards. Moved back in with my dad. Um, played cards for a year. Thought it did really well. Then lost all my money back. Was planning on going back to school. Found sit and goes. Got Supernova Elite over the next three or four years on uh, like five or six times. Just from sit and goes? Yeah, just from sit and goes. Yeah, that was back in like the six max hyper days, man. It was outrageous. Wow. I got three and a half million VPPs in one year. It was, uh, it was pretty outrageous back in those days. It wasn't even like a ton of grinding either because like the high stakes sit and goes were just so high and like there were 1K six max hypers running just around the clock basically. And did you so, uh, did you ever have insane losing streaks playing hyper? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I think I was like a losing losing player before rake back, like quite a bit as well. Yeah, I lost lot, lots of lots of money, but after the rake back, you know, it it evened itself out. But uh, yeah, I used to lose lose quite regularly. A lot okay. of bad, bad, bad days in those in those games. Lots of variance, as so, one might might say. When that business model stopped, is that right. when? the streaming thing happened yeah pretty much i uh i kind of like moved into tournaments for like i don't know like six months a year or whatever and i was just kind of like bored and like uh that was kind of at a downtime for lex too like before lex started streaming as well and we just played like an outrageous amount of like dota 2 for <laughs> like like a, like a six month period we were both just like kind of bored with poker not sure what we were doing neither of us were like in the streaming game yet this was ages ago and yeah. we both just played like 10 hours plus of dota a day um, is that then, where, is that where it came from? Like the idea to stream was that you were playing Dota and there were people streaming Dota and you guys were like, maybe we could just take the best of both worlds here. Nah, not really. Um, kind of just, uh, it was dude, the streaming landscape was like very dead in comparison to what it is now on in poker, Twitch sure. poker at least, when I first started streaming. And uh, yeah, I was better friends with Jamie back then. And he was just like, you should just fire up the stream. And I was just like, okay, maybe I'll just try it one day or whatever, you know? And then that just kind of like reinvigorated like the passion for poker, the stream and, and growing the stream and just grinding on stream. And like, I was kind of at like a lull in poker, didn't, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and then yeah, firing up the stream just kind of reinvigorated that passion. And then fast forward five years later, four years later, whatever, you know, been streaming full time. And then it took a couple of years off like a year and a half two years off the last little bit uh just been you know grinding doing other shit like not not uh not over the top all in on the poker um and then yeah just back to uh back to streaming a little bit now two yeah. three times a week um and that's kind of just that's that's the that's the that's the arc it, those, it's just nothing too exciting when it started those early streams do you have recordings of them are you ever tempted to look back and see what those first streams were like well i did start making youtube content probably like a year into the stream. So like there is like YouTube content and like, uh, you know, chopped up highlighted uh, edits of the content then, but I don't really, and I definitely have some saved streams, but I definitely don't have like the very first saved stream unless I could like, you know, go like find, ask Twitch for it or something like that. Yeah. But I do remember the very first time I ever streamed, it was somehow I got like 60 viewers while I was like playing a video game and setting up my microphone. I didn't really know how it worked then. And uh, was the glory the days, you didn't yeah, have to do the anything. Glory days. I, you yeah. got seven subs while you're trying to figure out how to go live. No, I mean, of course I was an idiot. And like, I was like, man, I don't know why they won't give me Twitch affiliate. Like, why can't I become <laughs> like, why can't I get a sub button? It was like five months or something. And I was getting like decent numbers, like more than enough to get like affiliate, right? right? 
And I was like, why the fuck will they give me affiliate, man? And like, I had like one email saying like, hey, you should have it now. And like, I emailed back and like, it was just like one click in like the twitch.tv in the settings that I had to like accept it. And it was like, it was like a month and a half or something like that, that I was just like constantly like whining on stream, but like, why don't I have the sub button? And And it was just like, and I was just, I had to accept something. You only have yourself to blame. Yeah, 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 yeah. or it was something very, I don't know if it was something I had to accept, but it was something that I had to do. It was like on yeah. me and it was something very simple, you know, and it was just how like do you, ages. How do you uh, feel about stuff like that in general? Like as far as where your life ended up not having clicked that button for the m- first month and a half. Are you like, a, you know, like the, the, the diverging timelines where had you clicked it sooner, do you think that you would have had be, more subs or be yeah, bigger? Or even? maybe uh, worse off some, maybe we got hit by a bus. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really know to be honest. I don't think it would. It would. It would affect that much. It was just like at the beginning, like when you first started as a streamer, like the whole, or at least at the time. Maybe the landscape has changed now. I'm not really sure, but like at the time, it was just like get the grind in, get the sub button, you know, start getting subs. Because like when you first start streaming, you're like shouting out follows and shit, right? Yeah. Like, yo, thanks so and so for following the channel. Which like I wouldn't even recommend doing once you've been streaming for like a month or two. Like I think uh, Spraggy and I had a few chats about this, just like how like simple it would be to clean up like a ton of streamer streams. You know, like anybody who has like a follower notification, just stop. You know, like if you have a noise. I or like, like a follower notification that completely takes up the entire screen of whatever yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, this too. is exactly what I mean. Like, I, like takes up the whole screen and like plays like like some people have like literally like a 10 second jingle that plays when like someone follows. And it's like if anybody has that, I just immediately leave the stream because it's just like not an enjoyable watch, right? It's like Heck. so like so like just fucking clean that up. Like have a, their name pop up on the stream or something. But uh, but yeah, at the beginning I was just like shouting out follows, right? Because there's nothing else to shout out because you're not getting subs or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was like the whole grind, the whole goal. So it was like definitely frustrating at the beginning that I was just an idiot. I guess the reason I was asking about whether you were able to peruse any of those early streams and what you were just talking about now is talking with Spraggy a bit. How long do you think it was before you felt you were good? Because I guess you had the advantage of being there at the start, right? There were very few poker streamers and therefore there wasn't a lot of choice. Whereas now, of course, it's very competitive and you need to be bringing something to the table. I will rephrase that question and say how long until you became a streamer you would watch. Yeah. Mm. Um, Good question. Um, I don't really know. Like mine, mine and like Spraggy's like entry to like Twitch poker was like different, right? Just for like, like I was kind of already known in like high stakes poker community, tournament community, and like through like SNE, right? Like I had like five million or six million BPPs like show displaying the SNE badge. Like people like knew, you know, about like tonk of the screen and whatever before. So like I already had like a head start kind of thing. Whereas like Ben started playing like out of 50 NL heads up cash or something. Right. Which is just like not a great thing to be playing on Twitch. If you want to like grow really quickly, not to shit talk bench too much, you know, but I mean, the man made some bad decisions at the beginning of a stream. Not, not bad decisions, but Look, you know, he, he, he was playing his main game. He was playing his game. You, know? you, you'd be doing our audience a disservice if you weren't shit talking Spraggy at every it's true. possible it's true. opportunity. It's true. It's true. It's true. No doubt. Um, but yeah, uh, when when did that occur? I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, I think I'm a huge idiot, and I don't really get it, like why people like to watch. I guess because like I'm a huge idiot, and like I can like string string two and two together in a couple poker hands here and there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I would watch myself. I'm like, <laughs> I said this to my friends the other day. I do a lot of the things that I leave other streamers streams for. 
like constantly singing on stream, you know, like, <laughs> like yelling and being loud and stuff like that. Like I do a lot of the things that I would leave another streamer stream for if they were doing it. So do I don't think, know. Do you think that's because they're not? Okay. So like when you're talking about any other type of art form, right? Whether you're talking about improv comedy, stand-up comedy, musician, acting, Lots of people say the things you're saying right now, right? It's do, do they, as yeah, I that's, say. That's common. That's very common. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. Like there are right. rules for improv, and as soon as you get good at improv, you start to break them. So, do you think that when it annoys you with other people, is it because? And I don't think you have to be that worried about saying it because we're not talking about in anyone specifically. Is it because they're not as good at doing it as you are, or that you mm. see aspects of yourself and you want to watch something different? No, I think it's just like. That's just the way I am. I'm like a little bit loud. I'm like a little bit abrasive. I'm like, you know, I get very into it. I get very like hyped up in the moment kind of thing. And like, I don't know, maybe when I'm watching, I just want someone more calm, more chill, you know, like maybe it's like my downtime kind of thing. It's just like, I'm looking for something different. I don't think it's like, I see myself and I'm like, Ooh, like cringe or whatever. Or I, uh, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with me. I think it's just like what I'm looking for. Um, sure. You want some, but I also, Sorry, but I also want someone to be like excited and like hyped up for it. Like if someone's yelling or whatever, like I don't really care. Like that's not a big deal. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe just like I'm constantly singing, I'm constantly fucking whistling, I'm constantly like spiking my voice. You know, it's just like these are definitely things that I might be like, man, this guy needs to fucking relax and just so, like leave the stream if I'm watching. So someone. the short answer to Joe's question about when did you become a streamer that you would actually never. Have to watch is never, right? Because clearly, <laughs> yeah, it seems like. You, that's more or less uh, the solution that we're the answer that we're arriving at here. You're appealing to an audience that you're clearly not part of. Uh, I mean, <laughs> along during that period, I mean, obviously th from from starting streaming to then kind of building that audience to becoming one of the biggest poker streamers in the Twitch category. Was there any point where you suddenly realized, okay, this has stopped being fun now, where actually it just becomes to go back to that phrase, a business model, right? Where you're trying to keep up the subscriber base, you're trying to grind the hours that you need to grind. Uh, uh, did you feel the pressure, I guess, is what I'm saying at any point? For sure. Yeah, that's basically why I like quit streaming for a couple of years, right? I was just like over it. It had just, it was literally like you said, it had just become a grind, it become like a job, it become like, you know, just not enjoyable anymore. And that's kind of like where I was at in poker before I found streaming, right? Because I'd been like, you know, it, it's all it's all a journey, right? It's all from zero to hero kind of thing. It's all work for work your way up. And that was the same thing with streaming for me as well. Um start with 60 viewers on my first stream, you know, have a thousand after a couple months, you know, 2000 after six months to the point where when I was the biggest Twitch poker streamer when like before when Lex was a little bit smaller and Carver was taking time off and I was just like solidly, clearly like Polk was something. I was just like the biggest streamer in the Twitch poker listing, like basically every time I got on and I was just getting like 5k viewers then. And that was like amazing. I was like very excited, but then, you know, it evens out and you keep grinding. And then it's just like, it's just all about either going for that, next goal which would be like you know pushing it to like the next level numbers which is like you still continue to grind hard year after year after year and put up those numbers and you will grow but or it just becomes like you know decreasing your volume a little bit and then maintaining which is kind of what i was doing you know i wasn't going for six days a week eight hours a day anymore i was doing three or four days a week and so i feel like twitch is an incredibly important platform to be super consistent on yeah. If, you, if you want to grow, right? Like if you want that base, you need to, if you want that community, you have to be there X day, five days a week. People know where to find you, come watch you. Um, and it had just become less fun for me um, and like more pressure. My poker game was definitely deteriorating. Um, I had some, you know, personal life shit that was like getting in the way as well. And then uh, towards like when I, when I took my break, um, 
and then yeah i just didn't enjoy it anymore you know the chat you started to get to me more and more i mean i i also ran like a relatively like loose ship in terms of like chat and pe- the shit that people could get away with saying in chat compared to like you know some other big streamers so eventually that when it stopped being funny and uh you know my poker game started to deteriorate a little bit and i could just like feel myself getting like a little bit enraged by people it's just like time to take a break kind of thing so for sure yeah definitely had that happen to me and what was the plan when you stopped it's like okay now i'm just a poker player no longer kind a streamer. Of, yeah 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 it was kind of like a weird like i've gone through a couple of like weird actualizations like that in my life where like you'll do one thing for so long without like ever really considering that you can do something else do you know what i mean like do, do you guys ever feel like that yeah have you ever like been like feel like you're not stuck i don't feel like like i wasn't like in like a situation that like i so badly wanted to get out of but like i kind of forgot that it was possible to do other things i think especially you know I mean? when you're you've done something that's such a, a tight niche right and it's kind For of sure. like okay and I, you've been successful at it right yeah that's like, the key how, how do i pivot how do i move on how do i get mm-hmm. out of that niche can i apply those skills elsewhere and and not even that what you just said but like i literally like forget that like there's other things that you can do yeah you know, and like i had i had this like realization like very early on and like poker when I was playing poker because I was just playing tournaments when I first started out. And then a friend of mine was like, you could play like sit and goes like, why don't you just play some sit and goes? And I was like, nah, like I'm a tournament player. Like I can't, I can't play sit and goes like this. Like I can't do that. Like I'm a tournament player, you know? And like that, that was like my mentality then. And like, that's kind of what I mean through like streaming and shit. Like I feel like that was my mentality for such a long time. Like I just accepted that Like that's what I was. And like, that's what I am. And I don't do something else. Like I didn't think about doing other things, you know, but yeah, for sure. Like the more, it's obviously a problem that like everybody has and it, the way you put it is definitely more reasonable for w- the way it usually is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You just, you just kind of become pot committed, right. To whatever it is you're doing. You're like, I've put in this much effort and this much time and I've achieved this much success at it. Like, do I really want to leave all that behind? Do I really want to abandon all that and do something else? And it becomes a, a difficult decision uh, sometimes, but it sounds like you have a pretty good, um, a, a, a pretty, strong uh, aversion to being stuck in a rut. Like it seems like you're like you finally hit that moment and reinvent yourself. I don't know a lot of people that would have walked away from the Twitch following that you had. Uh, Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. It's harder for like, even like you guys, like all of us, right? Like we're all like the content creation space, I guess. So like social, like, you know, like more, more or less in like the social media space, like it's all about building a following and getting people to follow you and stuff. So I guess that kind of thing is even like harder to like walk away from too, right? Because like you put in the effort to like get there. Yeah. Yeah. Especially given the fact that even if you have it and it's not something that's that important to you, you see how much other people want what you have and how the lengths they and then be it makes willing. you feel bad right yeah and then you, you get you get guilty that like you have i mean that's like the entire yeah i mean we could talk about this forever right but this is uh well i did, definitely yeah. i did want to talk about that a little bit and just that you know in my position i'm sure in yours i'm sure people ask you all the time how do i become a streamer how do i build an audience how do i do this and like my i would be inclined to say don't do it mm-hmm. like for sure do, do something else and not even just out of jealousy, right? Not out of just like protecting no, my no, space not. and what I've carved out. It's just like, I see the lengths that people are going to, to build their audiences, doing 48 hour streams, streaming a hundred hours intent, like all this yeah, weird yeah, shit yeah. people are doing, you know, this, no offense, but like some of the stuff that Arlie did, like people are having to go to greater and greater lengths to like entertain the masses and I'm not sure how healthy that is. Like, I'm not sure even 
even that the goal is that great of a goal to be going after. For sure, for sure. I think that's just like a byproduct of like new media though, right? Of like the like the the world that we like now live in. Like yeah. every single person like grows up on the internet now, right? Like every single person has a phone. Like every kid, I mean. Like every single kid. Like I have a nine year old sister and like she has a phone, a tablet, and a laptop. Yeah. And like you can like you can be like wow that's outrageous like no nine year old Trevor but like first of all like she literally needs a laptop because she's like doing home uh, online right. schooling right so like, she literally needs that like a phone like I don't know whatever but all I'm saying is kids all have the tablets these days so it's like it's everybody is like growing up in this like world of like new media and like streaming and trying to make their make make their name I wonder what the numbers are from the amount of like active streamers that stream X amount per week now compared to like ten years ago. Like obviously it's gonna be like an outrageous difference, but like it's it's probably just like so outlandish. No, for sure. And you know, we've spoken to people, I think it was True Geordie who we had on the podcast at the start of the year, someone who traditional media like TV has looked at and said, Oh, here's someone we might be interested in. But mm-hmm. the reality is the traditional TV production companies, the traditional TV networks can't, can no longer compete with the money that some content creators are now making For from sure. online portals that maybe you look at and go, oh, they're a YouTuber. Let's give them their big break. Let's put them on TV. No, they're doing fine. They're yeah, doing yeah, absolutely yeah. fine because that's where the revenue is. That's where the eyeballs are now. TV's dead too, right? I mean, TV's for like older, older generations. Like TV and Facebook are for like forty plus. I feel like. I mean, I'm just pulling pulling that out of my ass, like that that number, like forty yeah, plus or I whatever. Mean, but like, they're not they're not dead. They're just appealing to a different demographic. They sure, still have sure. value as as 100%. media, but but equally, you can't dismiss the new media, the online channels now. As as yeah. and certainly that's the generation that you just alluded to that's growing mm-hmm. up right now. That is where to them the content creators are. That's where the stuff they want to watch lives look we've talked about online both content and poker as far as live poker is concerned obviously we saw you on the live circuit during that period as well i kind of feel bad because your ept final table was an <laughs> event that didn't get live streamed the yeah, irony. Yeah, yeah. streamer yeah. makes final table of ept yeah. that doesn't get live streamed it was just before the pspc when we were putting all of our eggs into that basket so yeah. sadly we never saw your deep run in prague i'm gonna say I'm glad you didn't win because that really would have been a travesty. <laughs> that's that's a bit messed up. That's a bit messed up. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it was like literally like eight hundred thousand dollars. You just wished against. You're happy. You just said you're happy that I didn't. Make it. I got hundred and sixty k for sixth place. I think it was a straight million for first. So now ah, you're a bad man, Hardigan. But that's all right. I'll 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 take it. But again, at least we were there to celebrate your online success. Eighteen months later, obviously. True. 2020 very much the year of the online series uh we saw you enjoy success during stadium series uh, during w coop here's what i'm interested to know parker is clearly you're good friends with many of the other streamers who've been on pokestars books for a long time i know that obviously pokestars has had this kind of like i guess you know friendly relationship with you for the last few years without getting into the nitty-gritty and boredom of contract negotiations how long has the prospect of you being on the roster actually been uh, a thing um yeah probably around since pc pspc for sure like i chatted with i hung out with the with the boys there and we hung out with a couple of the twitch team from stars then at the at the event and you know just was kind of like if i'm interested in coming back to streaming you know to get in touch was more or less you know the chat so i mean it was the chats of like whether or not we would work together was kind of 
kind of revolved around when I wanted to make my foray back into streaming, you know, cause I don't, I, I don't know how much I would provide to, you know, any company or anybody for, if I wasn't, you know, logging my ass onto the, onto twitch.tv um, for a couple of daily punts. But yeah, I, uh, it's, it's been, it, it was probably, probably about since P- PSPC, you know, right. that we, we've been chatting that if I wanted to make a foray back into streaming that, you know, we, we would do some work together. And uh, ultimately I did, did decide to come back into streaming that it was, uh, it was time. And, well, uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, Parker, you must be one likable guy. Look, I like you, but like in general, just to speak to your likability. When I was in my 20s, I worked for a sketch comedy show called Mad TV. It was a comp- competitor with Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And one day there was a guy who appeared on Saturday Night Live as a cast member who had also been on Mad TV. And everyone was blown away because the executive producer of Saturday Night Live, basically the rumor was that no one ever told him that he had been on the other show. And if anyone ever did, he would have never made it. But I think it was just because the guy was supremely talented. And that's what I think about you is that somehow, even though you've played for another team before that would, that would eliminate anyone else from consideration. (laughs) Literally anyone be like, Nope, Nope. But somehow you did it. And I just want to say congratulations. Cause that's a, that's a big fucking feat in this industry. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would say there's at least a handful of examples I can think of. But of, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I, the, other, the other way, though. No, the other I'm way. talking about the Stars way. I'm talking about Liv, Jake Cody, all had previous sponsors before they joined that Stars. That was a long time ago. I'm okay. talking, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm talking the, in recent memory. It don't really go the other way. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The roster is also a lot smaller and very much yeah. to go back to what we were talking about earlier on, very much focused on content creation. So I guess, what is the plan? How much streaming? How much YouTube? How much live events? How much online play? What is the plan? Man, I have, I, I won I won the 1K Sonic and the Hot 109 like two Sundays ago, and I didn't make oh. a YouTube video out of it yet, and I'm just an awful person for not doing it, <laughs> especially because I like- Well, I Tonka, like, it turns out I was wrong. Turns out that your contract <laughs> is over. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that was just for YouTube content, right? There was, we didn't, I didn't, I didn't say I was going to make any YouTube content, but what I did say when I started streaming again is that I would make like maybe a video a week, maybe a couple videos a month, and I haven't done that yet. So I'm just a- bad person and you know what as soon as we're done here i'm going to send a message and get that editing done and we're okay. going to uh, and we'll get a youtube video up that's why but we yeah. did this interview is actually exactly. just, just, just like we're just going to poke, poke yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. well we won't keep you for too much longer before we move on to whichever stupid game joe has prepared for you i need to know what is the genesis of the screen name again i'm sure you've answered this question before but i don't know the story i always love the fact that mike mcdonald when asked to come up with a screen name looked down at his wrist and had a timex watch on i'd like to think you looked around the room and there was a tonka truck on the floor not quite but uh i played hockey for like 11 years growing up um and we used to play contact hockey and my i was always short and stocky i'm like five foot nine like i've always been like a little bit of a stockier guy and my coach used to call me used to call me a tonka truck because he used to say that i would you know knock kids over double my size like a tonka truck would so a couple kids on my hockey team started calling me that a couple kids at school and then it just kind of became like a nickname tonka parker synonymous right and then, yeah right that was it uh, and t-o-n-k-a was taken I was going to say, did you? How many? Did you keep going? How many A's do I have to add to this? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that T O N K A was taken because I legit don't recall. <laughs> it probably was. Well, Tonka. It just so happens that this week's stupid game 
is a trivia quiz about Tonka trucks. Oh, fuck me. Now, the good news is that, honestly, when I was researching this, I was like, maybe he knows all this already. Like, maybe people have, like, fucked with him. I did play with Tonka trucks. Yeah, I'm not sure how many of the answers you get from playing with them, but the good news is they're multiple choice. Okay, I have a chance. (laughs) And... I guess the question should be, Joe, not have you ever played with Tonka Trucks, but have you spent 20 minutes reading the Wikipedia page about the Tonka (laughs) Truck Company? I will say this. I did do a little bit more research than just... I used the Wikipedia page to to fact check some of the other facts I found. Come on. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Really easy. Multiple choice, buddy. You've won flips before. I've seen it happen. If you can get it down to a 50-50, then you're just flipping. All right. Let's go. All right. Question number one. What was the original name of the company that eventually became Tonka? Was it Muff Metallurgy, Mound Metalcraft, Flange Foundry, or Lady Bits? Can I hear the second option again? Mound Metalcraft. And the third option? Flange Foundry. (laughs) What was the first one? Muff Metallurgy. Why, why are they all muff, flange, mound? What the f- and one of them is real? I thought there would be one outlier, but they all are real. Lady Bits is the outlier. <laughs> yeah, Lady, Lady Bits is the outlier. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going with A. Hit me with the mound. Muff? Oh, wait, you want A or mound? Because they're wait, different. Oh, wait, wait. A, A was muff? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I want the mound one. Give me B then. Mound Metalcraft is correct. You're on the board. One for one. Can I just say how lucky you are that they did change their name? Because Mound Metalcraft is not <laughs> such a cool name for a poker streamer. Would have hey, been a Parker, lot you're a total mound out there. <laughs> Question two. Well done. One for one. Question two. The company that eventually started making Tonka toy trucks actually began as a company that manufactured what? Is it non-toy trucks, gardening equipment, Abrams tanks, or those jokey switchblade knives that are actually combs? Oh, I love them. They're so funny. So uh, the C was tanks and B was gardening tools? That's correct. Damn. I mean, tanks make sense, right? Because they're big Tonka trucks. But I feel like for some reason, I feel like it's fucking gardening tools. So I'm going to go with B. B Gardening Tools is correct. Tonka, you're two for two. I actually feel like I knew that one for some weird reason. I feel like I've heard that before. No offense to our other guests, but Tonka might be the smartest actual person that's ever been on this show because usually they can't can't come up with these fairly logical answers. Question number three. (laughs) In a 1970s marketing stunt, Tonka did what to one of their toy trucks in order to prove its durability? Did they have an elephant stand on one, have Evil Knievel drive one off a cliff, drop a piano on one, or send one to live for a summer with my parents? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The elephant? The elephant is correct. You're three for three, buddy. What do I get if I win and how many are there? 
There are seven total, and you get nothing but bread. <laughs> How the hell could Evil Knievel drive a Tonka truck off a cliff when Evil Knievel is like human size and a Tonka truck is like so high? Okay, in the in the, in the realm of this made-up answer, it, w it would have been a life-size Tonka truck. Okay, I, I was following you, Stamps. Yeah. We have to spell it out for her to come on. My my stupid imagination. Question number four: Tonka is a word native to the indigenous people of North America, specifically the Sioux tribe. Huh. Spell Sioux. Just kidding. What does Tonka mean? Does it mean tough, brave, big, or not for children? <laughs> All of the above. Surely it's not brave. Surely it's not brave. I agree with you. What what other choices? Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh. T tough. 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 This is a very tough question. What's your no! answer? No. No. Okay. B. What's the B answer? You believe B? Brave. No. I thought it was big. Big is correct. Yes. Yay! Well done. Four for four. four, four, four. Let's go. LFG Tonka. All right. Question number five. <laughs> the original Tonka dump truck weighed in at a staggering. 4.98 kilograms, 0.78 stone, 11 pounds, or the same as a gallon of paint. What the fuck? Aren't those all pretty similar measurements? Isn't like five kilograms pretty close to 11 pounds? Maybe. Is it like two and a half? 8.8 stone? I have no idea what. Is it that all of them are correct? Ooh, yeah, right? They all sound like pretty similar. Uh, I go with the pounds because I feel like it was... Uh, 11 pounds is the exact answer that was given. That is correct. But they, yes, they were all correct answers. They were all the exact same weight. You're five for five, Tonka. You're five the for pressure five. is really building. I'll say this. The number of people that have gone seven for seven in the history of the show is maybe out of 215 episodes, two Three people I can tops. do it. I can do it. Question number six. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that there are probably a couple of, like, you know, mulligans along the way. But... Whoa. Well, there was one mulligan, all right. Also, and there was no need for that to be said. Even with those, <laughs> it's still impressive. Question number six. In the 1980s, Tonka bought the rights to distribute which gaming system in the USA? This is a hashtag fun fact. Was it... Nintendo, this is probably the toughest question. Nintendo, Sega, Atari, or Flange Vision? Uh, Atari? No, I can't give you any more mulligans. We're looking for the Sega. The Sega gaming system. Tonka Was that even an option? It was Nintendo, Sega, and Atari? Nintendo, Sega, Atari, yeah. All I right. just, like, ignored Sega. I was just like, hmm, between Nintendo and Atari. Six for seven, still possible, also has not been achieved very often on the show. This is kind of weird. Uh, which of the following films is not an officially licensed Tonka feature? Whoa, 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 whoa. Just before you go into the multiple choice options, Tonka yeah. made films? Yes. How am I only just hearing about this now? Are they like Tonka truck films or like they were they real films? Tonka owned the rights to more toys 
than just Tonka in its heyday. So they were able to make some films. We have to tell me which one of these is not an officially licensed Tonka film. Is okay. it GoBots Battle of the Rock Lords? Great film, by the way. Pound Puppies and the Legend of Big Paw. Wow, another really fantastic one. Tonka Tough Truck Adventures, the biggest show on wheels. Or Flange the Movie. <laughs> Wait, which one is not? Which licensed? one is not an officially licensed I mean, Tonka film? I think... Lancer 4 may as well have been Godfather Part 2, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go with the uh, Flange film. Flange the movie is correct, Parker. Talbot, Tonka. Six of seven. We'll take it. Five six of, seven. of seven. Five of seven. Five, of seven Five or six of seven. Either way, a very strong performance from Tonka. Thank you very much for playing that game. Thank you very much for appearing on the show today, Parker. And uh, if nothing else, we provided the motivation you now need to go and make that YouTube video. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, you. I had already forgotten. So thank you for the extra Bonus points if you work the word flange into it. No, don't do that. Keep your contract. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, uh, if I make an intro, I'll slide flange into the, into the, into, <laughs> into, into the intro for you, Steve. Some of that. Thanks. Thank you, Tonka. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, boys. It's been a fun, fun little ride. Okay, well, this particular feature, Joe, seems to appear every other week on the podcast. And maybe that's <laughs> fine. Maybe it's going to become an occasional thing. We're running amok. It's where you ask us one question. Ask me one question. A-M-O-Q. And these are questions that get sent in via Twitter using the hashtag P-I-T-E. I did say last week that Sam Pai had sent in a question which I saved, and I think it's a pretty good one, Joe. If you had to pick one actor and could only watch films they appeared in, who would it be and why? Sam's selection is Samuel L. Jackson. Who are you picking? Uh, First of all, I think this is two questions, but I'm going to allow it. James, when I was uh, a kid, even as a kid, I was a bit of an angle shooter. I was the kid that immediately wanted to wish for more wishes. Or uh, there was one time we had a, a a maths problem where we had to design a roller coaster. And I was like, I'll just build my roller coaster on the side of a hill. And that way I can save on building materials. This question, I've angle shot this as well. My answer for this is the actor James Hong. Do you know who James Hong is? It's a very unconventional choice. I do know James Hong. He's been in many, many films. And that is exactly why I've chosen him. He's been in over 400 films. So if you want to make me pick an actor, well, guess what? I just picked the most prolific actor of all time. Thank you for your question. Okay, well, I am going to go with quality over quantity. It's a very (laughs) obvious answer. It's a very boring answer. You know I'm a huge fan of the Godfather movies. I'm therefore taking Al Pacino. In addition to Godfather 1 and 2, you get a lot of other good movies thrown in for free. You get Dog Day Afternoon. You get Scarface. You get Heat. So I think that's a You get The Devil's Advocate. Don't forget that. I mean, there's a lot of shite in there as well. Don't (laughs) get me wrong. But I will take Al Pacino if for the Godfather movies alone. Thank you for your question. This has been Running Amok. And now it's Superfan versus Stapes. And this week's Superfan is Daryl Plant. Daryl, welcome to the show. I'd love to be here. Thank you. 
Daryl, I just want to say, I see you. You're very supportive. I appreciate you, uh, not just as a radio show slash podcast super fan, but just as a general supportive, kind human being out there on the internet. And so it is a pleasure to meet you. Welcome to the show. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> well, um, I, I, my daddy uh, is, nowadays is a uh, meme, pretty much. Um, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm uh, a, sort of a, on the IT end of things, as you you know would guess just from the distribution. But uh, I do some website development uh, work. Um, started off in the book book selling business many years ago, and uh, that's that's my job nowadays. So when you uh, started off in the book selling business years ago, do you see what happened to another bookseller named Jeff Bezos and think maybe that could have been me? <laughs> oh, that was after my time. <laughs> yeah. No, I I didn't think that was me because I'm not a I'm not a good businessman. <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of. You need to be a good businessman to be the richest person on the planet. Yes, and I'm definitely not that. <laughs> it, it certainly helps. Where in the world? Are you, Daryl? I am in Portland, Oregon. Cool. I was once told I looked like I came from Portland, Oregon, and I didn't know whether to take that as a compliment or not. But um, could... not beardy enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess it's Joe. Funny Joe could look like he's coming from Portland, but I don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put you in Portland. I was guessing it's the fact that I look like the kind of pale person who lives somewhere relatively cold that and would... wet. That would work too. Yeah, yeah. I I'm mean, James, that's what it was. You, you need longer hair, more of a beard, tattoos, piercings. You don't really tick many of those boxes. Yeah. Um, as you know, Daryl, we haven't yet brought poker stars to the state of Oregon, so no tickets for you today. In fact, this is true. What What is your relationship with poker in that part of the world? You know, it's it's weird. Uh, I did not play poker much until like in my forties. I played a, like a, a nickel ante uh, five card draw game back in the back when I was working in a warehouse when I was a young man, and then didn't play again for twenty years till a friend of mine uh, introduced me to a home game, and from there it sort of snowballed because I I uh, I ran across a friend from my uh, programming years who uh, ended up on the final table of a World Series bracelet event in cool. 2010 Very and then cool. went went and talked to him and he uh oh no 2010 what a terrible time to he, be he, to won, a, he won a bracelet he won a bracelet that year too and then uh i started up a poker blog like 10 years ago um just sort of like doing local local kind of stuff and that's gotten me some like local notoriety and also wrote some articles for poker news. And five years ago, actually, uh, uh, almost today, I was driving down to WSOP to work as I think the world's oldest live reporter of the World Series. Wow. Um, and uh, one of the guys that I spent a lot of time working with down there that year was uh, just had more more experience than me, like, like two years of experience working in Europe already. And had just turned old enough to be uh, to be in the casino in <laughs> in Las Vegas, and he's now the uh, editor of Poker News, <laughs> Will Shillabeer. So yes, shout out yes. to Will. Oh, cool. absolutely, uh, friend of the show, Will Shillabeer. Um, 
Well, that's a great story, Daryl. You've also picked a great superfan subject because After Hours is a fantastic movie, a classic of the 1980s, vintage Scorsese. Joe, had you seen the film before it came up as a superfan subject? I had not seen it. Are we ready for my thoughts on After Hours real quick here? Because I'm actually quite interested to hear both of your thoughts on it. Um, I love the movie at its start. And as it progressed, I started to like it less and less um, just when it seemed like it was not really going to have a payoff for any of the sorts of things. You know me, I'm the kind of person I need to be hit right over the head with like what the movie's trying to say. And I feel like this movie came close in multiple spots to being obvious about what it was trying to say, but never quite got there and never quite had the payoff in general. It was a good watch. I didn't regret watching it, but I also say that, you know, it's like 96 minutes long or something, and it felt a lot longer, which is kind of weird. I mean, I personally believe, Daryl, it's very much a film of its era. It's very much a film of the mid-80s. It it was part of that that bizarre mini-genre of the yuppie nightmare movie, which was prevalent at the time. Um, But I'm still a big fan of it. I haven't seen it for a number of years, but what's interesting is, you bring it up as a subject and Patrick writing this quiz and me just taking a glance through these questions just now really, really makes me want to see it. Makes me want to see it again. I assume you're a fan. I am. I'm a fan. It's probably my favorite movie of all time. I got to oh, say cool. uh, it's weird. Uh, I know, but um, I, I think the, the fact that it hit me at a particularly good time uh, when it came out, I mean, I, I did see this when it first came out in the theaters um, and it's just one of those, you know, uh, early 20s angst movies i think uh yeah. that that was perfect for me uh it was a an idealized version of new york city that uh you know i think people who hadn't been to new york city really could enjoy uh you know but it it also it also was a really very dark movie in a lot of ways and actually i think prepared me for a poker in a lot of in a lot of ways <laughs> it's it's like the guy has the guy has like you know uh bad beats at uh, every step yeah can we yeah. can we really quick before we go is is there some sort of like hidden symbolism in this in this movie that i missed like is he the sculpture is he the i mean i i, I don't think it's hidden no i don't think it's <laughs> hidden at all I, I did see something when I was reading when I was reading up on this the last couple of days. So hopefully I'll I'll do okay on the quiz. Uh, but when I was reading up on this, uh, I, something I've never seen before. At the the there's a final swirling scene where he uh, is is at this desk, um, and oh, just before the credits. And as the camera moves around, when it comes back to his seat, he's gone. Oh. Yeah, that's like as the credits are rolling, which I thought was really yeah. an interesting choice. They don't really do that a lot in movies where like, you know, usually once the credit, it's like not important anymore. It seemed incredibly important uh, what what was happening while their credits were rolling. Yeah. Well, Patrick quite enjoyed the movie. He's put together 10 questions. And as I said, I just took a glance through them. As usual, they range from the observational <laughs> to the very easy questions, which... I think many people will be able to get without even what city does this movie take place in (laughs) that may or may not be one of the questions, Joe. So as you know, it's potluck, uh, one through 10 available with some bonus questions, tiebreaker if needed, Daryl, you know, the rules you get to go first. So please give me a number between one and 10. I will take number one. Number one. We begin at the very beginning. Uh, what did Paul need in order to get into club Berlin the first time around a Mohawk? He did indeed need a mohawk, so that is two points. It was mohawk night. 
to get you on the board. And Joe, where would you like to go? I just want to say I would have known that one. I know nobody cares. It's like saying that I folded a seven when the flop comes three sevens, but I just have to say that. Okay. All right. Uh, I never go with this question first. Question four. Question number four. What's the name of the woman who lives underneath Club Berlin? The woman who lives underneath Club Berlin. There was a there was a a Julie who was the the waitress. Uh, I'll I'll need the choices. Was it June, May, April, or Julie? I guess Julie then. No, it's June. And Daryl, what's your question? Anything other than one or four? Three. Question number three. Which character actually says the phrase after hours? I believe, I don't remember his name, but uh, do I need a name? You don't need a name. Just describe okay, he's who the, he is. He's the, uh, the, one of the people in the diner. He's the, um, bar, the not bar guy at the diner. Mr. Futterman. You got it. The <laughs> yeah. guy in the diner. And Mr. Diner. Futterman from the Goonies. Uh, not the Goonies, from the Gremlins. <laughs> and that will give you another two points. 4-0 the score. Joe, your question. Uh, whatever. I'm, I'm ready. <clears throat> I'm tilt. Uh, eight. Question number eight. <clears throat> you do know how to pick them. How many films have Martin Scott says he directed before this one? And Patrick's being kind. One either side is correct. So you can have a range. You can be one out in either direction. And I get choices? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll take the choices. Bear in mind, you're now only playing for one point rather than two. Yeah. Uh, 14, 18, 22, or 26? 18. Is spot on. Still only worth one point. And your bonus question, how old was Martin Scorsese when this film was released? And again, I'll apply the Patrick rule and give you <laughs> one Christ. year either side of his exact age at the point of the film's release. 33 years old. No, he was actually 42. Okay, Daryl. Two, five, six, seven, nine, or ten? Two, please. Question number two. What food item does Kiki make in the form of paperweights? Bagels and cream cheese. Correct, for two points. <clears throat> Joe, let's try and build up the score a little bit, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you want to ask me a question about how many shots are in the movie? Uh, would you like question nine, maybe? Yep. What city does the film take place in? All right. <laughs> God damn it, New York City. The there fuck? you go. There's your two points. I didn't want one that easy. Like, <laughs> just somewhere in the fucking middle. Five, six, seven, or ten? Five, please. Question number five. The name of the actor who plays Paul? Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn one for the two best. points. And Sorry, the bonus did, question. Did, Gr did Griffin Dunn die at an early age? Like, why? No, is, no he's still around. Why Griffin is he Dunn is currently movies? in This Is Us. Oh, okay. Uh, the bonus question, by the way. What is Paul's last name? Hackett. Correct for the bonus points. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. Joe, six, seven, or ten? Six. Paul didn't have enough money for the subway home. What price had the fare increased to? 
$1.50. Correct for two points. Seven or ten Don't for your final question. Don't fucking clap me, Daryl. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I, was, I was glad for you. I was glad for you there. That's, a, that's not something you necessarily know. Uh, seven, please. What is drawn on the wall in the bar's bathroom? A shark biting a man's penis. Correct for two points. And last but by no means least, Joe, what animal do we see in Julie's flat? In Julie's flat, what animal do we see? I, I, I don't know. Choices, I guess. Is it a snake, a parrot, a cat, or a mouse? There's a snake in somebody's flat. I don't remember any of those other things. Uh, a, a snake. No, it was a mouse slash rat. Patrick wasn't 100% sure what type of creature it was. Uh, to be honest with you, that extra point wouldn't have made any difference. No. The final score is 11 to Daryl, five points to Joe. Congratulations, Daryl Plant from Portland, Oregon, because you are the winner of this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. It was a great experience. I'm glad to be here and uh, finally introduce you guys to After Hours. Yeah, man, and thanks, because I have not seen many Scorsese movies, and I would rank this amongst my favorites. Well, um, this was this was back when you guys were talking about the Scorsese movies, bringing them up. You know, I thought, this has got to come into the into play for you guys. So. Yeah, Absolutely. cool movie. Absolutely. And I'm uh, just the man to do it. We will sort you out with some PokerStars merch as prizes. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're having some comedy writers on the show. I don't know why I wrote that. We're having one comedy writer on the show in the form of Kim Caramelli. Uh, but we are also having a streaming service programmer. Okay, <laughs> Joe, wait, really wait to undersell next yeah. week's episode, <laughs> which is... Another Poker Movie Monday, or to use its full title, Poker Movie Monday recorded on a Wednesday, released on a Thursday. Um, I can't believe that I hadn't heard of this film until it appeared on the Criterion Channel's gambling movie schedule. And that is Five Card Stud, a Western from 1968 starring Dean Martin and Robert Mitchum. I believe the basic premise is that people in a five-card stud game in the Wild West are being killed off. I think it's kind of a bit of a murder mystery. Not sure if it's on any streaming services, but it is definitely available to rent on iTunes in the UK. I presume it's relatively easy to get hold of in North America. Yeah, well, you know, look, if I have to sign up for the Criterion channel in order to uh, for research for this week's podcast, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, so we are going to watch the film for the first time, and we will review it with Penelope Bartlett from the Criterion Channel. It will also be the subject of the Superfan Quiz. Oh, and on that subject, I've got the word Kyle scrawled into the margin here, and that is because when we were getting your reviews... That's right, listeners, talking directly to you right now. Your reviews of the book We Run Bad by John Curry. Carl Stanley submitted his review super, super late, it only came in after we recorded last week's podcast, but I felt as Kyle had gone to the effort of submitting a three-tweet review, Ooh. we could draw a line under the book review, the book club episode, by me reading what Kyle had to say, Joe. All right, I'm for it. So, last minute, Poker in the Ears book review for We Run Bad by John Curry. 
The deployment of Victory Gin was so perfect, I bet he thought about erasing it a few times. Orwellian comes up later as well, but I don't get the feeling he's an acolyte. How did Tim perform at all after that much booze with someone who disgusted him? This is a thinly veiled brag about the author's prowess, and I applaud it. My girlfriend will take the older cats, all of them. We have fucking four cats already. What does it fucking matter now? It seems John and I are near the same age, and we read similar things growing up, and even his knowing what grindcore is means we've probably been in similar places a few times. I wasn't expecting to relate, but I related all over myself, and I laughed out loud. Hell of a review. In classic Kyle Stanley fashion, by the way. What I like about Kyle is he he writes tweets and doesn't seem to care if anyone's going to understand them or not. They're like, (laughs) which luckily I do mostly. Thank you for that, Kyle. Uh, all right, we run bad. We've finally got a real decent review of it in there. All right, so coming up, Kim Caramelli, Penelope Bart- Bartlett. Uh, not only are we almost out of time for this week's show, we are almost out of time on this season's episodes. Yeah. So we are going to take yeah. things probably through until mid-June. I can't remember the exact date. We've got a f- couple, two or three more weeks to run. Uh, we are still taking superfan applications. We are t- still taking guest suggestions. And, of course, a reminder to do your homework. Five Card Stud, 1968. Watch it. All right, my babies, that is it. That is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.